The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. Some 40 years ago, Rabbi David Shachat of Toronto, Canada, was asked to lecture to a non-Jewish group in the city of Buffalo, New York. Now, he was used to lecturing to Jewish audiences, but here was a request to lecture to a non-Jewish audience. So he asked the Lubavitcher Rebbe if he should accept the offer. And secondly, if he was to accept the offer, what should he talk about? So the Rebbe responded that it's a good idea that he should accept the offer and that he should speak about the universal importance of charity. Charity goes across all lines. All human beings need to be more charitable. And so he accepts the invitation. He flies to Buffalo and he's speaking at this particular lecture. And in his lecture in Buffalo, New York, to this non-Jewish audience on this lecture on charity, he tells a story. So now we have a story within a story. You're going to have to stay with me because there's going to be stories within stories within stories. And he tells a story that many years back in the city of Krakow, there lived a very wealthy individual. This wealthy individual never contributed a dime to charity. He was known as the miser of Krakow. Everyone knew this guy, don't even bother asking him for anything. He won't give. Now, after the miser died, the Hevra Kadisha, the Jewish burial society, felt that considering how greedy and selfish this man had been during his lifetime, he was given this rather unworthy part of the cemetery to be buried. It was called Hectish. It was where the John Doe's were buried. And that's where this miser of Krakow was buried. Not next to any of the holy people in the cemetery of Krakow. Not next to any people of importance. This separate section. And no one showed up for his funeral other than his own family. A few days after the funeral, there was a commotion in the town. Two prominent members of the community, the butcher and the baker, not the candlestick maker, who had always been extremely charitable, suddenly stopped distributing funds to the poor. Many people had relied on these benevolent individuals. Anyone that was poor knew that if you went in Thursday or Friday to the butcher and said, I can't afford meat for Shabbat, the butcher would simply just give it to you as charity. They also knew that if you went into the baker Thursday or Friday and said, I don't have money for food for Shabbat, he would supply you with challah and cake and everything you needed for Shabbat. And this was a weekly tradition that went on for years and years and years. And suddenly that Friday, the butcher announced, no more free food. The baker announced no more free food. And all the poor people in town were up in arms. What do you mean? We rely on this. What do you mean no more food? So the paupers in town got very upset and emotions ran high. And the matter was brought to the rabbi of the town, a great sage named Rabbi Yamtiv Lippman. He was known by as the name the Tosfus Yamtiv after a book he authored. And the rabbi hears the complaint of the paupers and he summons for the butcher and the baker to come to his office. And he says to them, after all these years of such a great mitzvah, all these years of the charity you've done for this community, why did both of you decide to stop such a beautiful thing? So they said, Rebbe, we aren't and never were in a position to support this amount of people. All these years that we've done it, it wasn't us. It was the miser. He was the one that supplied all the funds. We simply kept a record for him. But it was all done on condition that no one would ever know. It was his mitzvah, but he didn't want anyone to know about it. Now that he passed away, we can't can't do it. 
And now that he passed away, we felt you should know at least that all these years, he wasn't such a miser after all. He was just an individual that didn't want the glory, didn't want the cover, didn't want the honor. But he was the one supplying this. The Tosos Yamtiv was in total awe of this miser's behavior. He spent hours and hours and days and days praying at this man's grave, begging for forgiveness for the way he was treated at his funeral and that he as the rabbi of the community allowed this to happen. When the Tosfus Yamtiv passed away, he left instructions that he wanted to be buried right next to the miser of Krakow, in that section of cemetery at the plot right next to his. And that's where he's buried until this very day, side by side. Rabbi Shachat in Buffalo, New York, tells the story. He concludes his lecture. And after the lecture's over, a group of people start asking questions, and one of the individuals that came up to ask him a question happened to be a priest. And he says to Rabbi Shachat, can you repeat that story you told about the miser in Krakow? So Rabbi Shachat said, repeat the whole story again? He says, yeah, I want to hear the story again. He says, you know, I'm a little bit tired. I slept today. <laughs> if you'd like to continue this conversation, why don't we meet tomorrow morning in the lobby of the hotel? I'll be glad to spend time with you. We can talk. Figuring the priest has other theological questions, differences between Christianity and Judaism, and he realizes it's going to be a lengthy conversation. And the priest says, certainly, I'll meet you tomorrow morning. They set a time, place in the lobby. Rabbi Shacha doesn't know if the man will show up or not, but certainly comes down to the lobby, and sure enough, the priest is there. And he begins by telling him over the story, the entire story again. And the priest is pacing back and forth and back and forth. And finally, he says to Rabbi Shachat, Rabbi Shachat, that man, the miser of yours in your story, is my ancestor. So Rabbi Shachat smiles and he says, I don't think so. I don't think there's any connection between him and you because it happened hundreds of years ago. It's not a story that happened yesterday or 10 years ago. This is hundreds of years ago. I'm not sure I mentioned that the miser was Jewish. There's something about you that tells me you're not. It may be in what the clothing you're wearing that says something, the cross on you that says that you're not so Jewish, but this was a Jewish story. So the priest says, let me tell you a story now. I grew up in Tennessee. My father was a major in the United States Army during the Second World War. While overseas in Europe, he met a Jewish girl. He fell in love. He brought her home as his bride, and no one knew of her Jewish background. A short time after the marriage, they had a child, me, who they devoutly raised in the Catholic tradition. I grew up and attended a seminary where I eventually trained to become a priest. And I'm a very popular priest. I have a very large congregation here in Buffalo. A number of years ago, my mother became very ill. And she called me to her bedside and she said, My son, I don't have much longer. I need to tell you something. I need you to know that I'm Jewish. And according to Jewish law, that means you're Jewish. And she said, The only thing that I know about my ancestry is that my mother would tell me a story that we have an ancestor somewhere that's buried in Krakow and that he's buried next to some holy rabbi named the Tosfus Yamtov. That's all she knew. She went on to tell me the story that he was known as a miser, but he wasn't a miser at all. 
At that time, I imagined that my mother had been delirious. Her parting words made me feel uneasy, but I figured it was just a fleeting thing. I got it out of my life. I forgot the entire episode, lost interest in the subject, and went on. But Rabbi, he says, you just repeated the story. Krakow, miser, buried next to the same rabbi's name. It's the story my mother told me. Now I remember her parting words. I'm Jewish, which means, according to Jewish law, you're Jewish. What am I supposed to do? So Rabbi Shachat says, if what your mom said is true, and I have no reason to doubt it, you're 100% Jewish. What you should do? Here's the phone number of the Chabad rabbi in Buffalo. Maybe you want to give him a call. Visit, talk, see. And Rabbi Shachat left the hotel, got his flight back to Toronto, and life went on. Fast forward decades. Rabbi Shachat's in Israel, visiting Jerusalem. He's at the Western Wall. At the Western Wall, everyone says, Shalom Aleichem to each other. And some bearded man says, Shalom Aleichem, and Rabbi Shachat responds, Aleichem Shalom. And he says, Shalom Aleichem, Rabbi Shachat. So Rabbi Shachat said, you know me? He says, I know you. And where do you know me from? Buffalo, New York. Still doesn't ring a bell. He says, how's about the priest from the story in Krakow? And it starts coming to him. The priest, I took you up on your advice. I started going to classes. I started learning about my heritage. I gave up the priesthood, gave up my congregation, came back to my people made Aliyah to Israel, got married. I have a large family here in Jerusalem. Ladies and gentlemen, here comes the rest of the story. Just a few years ago, Rabbi David Shachat was looking into his own genealogy, and he discovers that he is a direct descendant of the Tosfus Yamtev. And so in that auspicious juncture in time, in a hotel lobby in Buffalo, New York, a descendant of the Tosfus Yamtev meets with a descendant of the miser and pays back a debt of hundreds of years earlier and changes the course of destiny. There's a connectivity between us. There's a connectivity between our souls that is beyond what we can see in the here and now. Who sent Rabbi Shachat to Buffalo? Was it some invitation that he got? Or was it orchestrated from above? Who sent the priest to the lecture that night? Was it a flyer he saw? Or was it orchestrated by his ancestors from above? Now, these are the fascinating stories, perhaps, that we get to read about and hear about. But trust me, these stories are taking place with every single one of us throughout our lives. We're just not aware of the outcomes. All of our life's experiences, even our frustrations, our setbacks, our disappointments, or our joys, and our celebrations, and our successes, and our victories, are journeys designed to lead us to our own promised land. God guides the footsteps of man. Each person's journey are custom-made specifically for his or her needs. These journeys can either turn out to be meaningless treks that might not ever, ever have happened, or they can be of awesome significance, or they can be of biblical proportions. That's up to us. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. StoriesToInspire.org.